0: Excuse me. And we're live. I'm Bobby Burton. This is On Texas Football with Inside Texas. Uh, Joe Cook, beat reporter for the Longhorns at Inside Texas. Jerry Hamilton, uh, Inside Texas uh, recruiting reporter, as well as on three national analysts. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Longhorns today uh, and what they've got going on. Jerry is down in Florida, uh, had some uh, interesting recruiting news. We're going to start with that. Jerry, how you doing, man? I'm good, good,
1: man. Just, uh, you know, beating the rain down here. It's been a crazy couple of days. But, uh, yeah, Texas staff's on the road in the Sunshine State today. Um, Tashar Choice, Bo Davis are in the Orlando area. Peyton Kirkland said they're coming by his school today. They're going to see Cedric Baxter, obviously, today, before Cedric Baxter uh, makes that unofficial visit to Austin tomorrow. And then they're supposed to go by Venice High to see Damon Wilson. Damon Wilson told – on threes, Chad Simmons last night after a St. Francis game that Texas was kind of out. Maybe the communication had dropped off a little bit. So we're trying to figure out what's going on there, honestly. Uh, but it's a really good report from Chad. Uh, but here's the thing, Bobby, we talk about it all the time. The staff's going to recruit through the whistle. Uh, so it's a short choice. And Bo Davis are expected by Venice High later uh, today. Uh, we'll see if that stop actually happens. Uh, but they're definitely in the Orlando area, not just looking at back is seeing Baxter and Peyton Kirkland. They're also looking at some 24s and 25 kids in the area. So if people wondering how hard Texas is going to recruit the sunshine state, uh, it's good for me. I'll probably be down here a little more.
0: Yeah. It sounds like Jordan Hall may be a guy that they're starting to uh, narrow their focus in on uh, before we get doing, Joe, you were, you were with Sark yesterday, but before we go there, uh, I want to give a hat tip to our sponsor, uh, Andy Ludeke, Uh Andy of MyPerfectFranchise.net. perfect uh, Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hand in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you a business that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a real, really cool process to take you through it. Uh, and I've done it actually myself. Uh, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Feel free to, to talk to him and uh, contact Andy at any point. Hey, hey Joe, uh, you know, talking about uh, Steve Sarkisian. And what he did and said in the media to the media this week, not really a surprise uh, to us, uh, but he basically said, hey, I'm not going anywhere on this uh, quarterback discussion. Uh, you were in the room or you were on the, the Zoom call when he did it. Uh, this is your tweet. Kind of give us uh, kind of take us through what what occurred in that in that situation
2: situation. Yeah, it, you know people want to know who's a starting quarterback and uh, this isn't the Atlanta Falcons anymore, where you get to see who's questionable, who's doubtful, who's out based on how many snaps they take in practice. We don't even get to see practice. And uh, that's a a point he said, you know, he's, he's trying to make not just UCSA, but, you know, looking forward, Texas tech and even West Virginia have to think about a bunch of different guys. Um, But, you know, and so it's well within his right, not to have to reveal that information but, I mean, it'd be, you know, those are the types of questions that members of the media have to ask. And uh, it did get to, you know, the third question, not a little bit different, you know, change the the wording and, you know, use different ways to try and get any hints. And then uh, you got that. He said, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to tell you. Uh, mm-hmm. So fair questions, fair answers. And uh, at this point, there's no public um, re- revelation about who's going to be taking those first snaps. Uh, hey Joe, Joe, Joe,
1: Joe. Question, uh, real quick, Bobby. I know Bobby and I sit back, and I don't know if he's noticed the same thing I have. I've noticed Sark has a little more edge, edginess to him this year in, in the press conferences. He's gone from the laid back SoCal guy in year one uh, to having a little more edge. You, is that have you picked up on that, Joe, being there in person? Because you are there in person a lot of times.
2: I think so. I mean, I asked him on Monday during the big press conference uh, on LHN. You know who who was your starting quarterback? Or your first string quarterback today at practice and he goes that's just for me and you know he's he's pretty I, th- I think he's a pretty good coach with the media he he gives uh good answers they don't ramble but they're they're they answer the question but when he doesn't want to talk about something uh he makes it pretty clear you know even that malik murphy uh comment you know he's not healthy that's it that's all he said uh you know when when asked yesterday on the zoom hey why why the secrecy you came out and spoke about the quarterback he goes because we've had to endure injuries and that's it. So he's, it, it, there's definitely a lot more edge, uh, especially at a position that, you know, is so uh, important here. He believes is of the utmost importance in all of sports. He doesn't want any opponent, whether it's Jeff Trailer or Joey McGuire and uh Bobby, you'll like this. I, did, I get to do this again, Jeff Trailer and Joey McGuire um, <laughs> or Neil Brown or Brent Venables or anybody having any sort of inkling. And uh, that's, that's why we got the answers we did that didn't reveal much on, on both Monday and Thursday. Hey, Bobby, yeah,
1: Texas football cover will not be on your wall in 20 years. I, I'll make that prediction. The <laughs> Jeff Taylor McGuire one will not be on your wall back there in 20 years.
2: The Herman <laughs> I mean, one's on my wall somewhere. <laughs> or it may be, it may it may be the one. only wall it's on. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I got Matt Brown up there.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys. Um, this isn't the only thing that we we need to discuss UTSA put out a hype video I don't know I mean I I know we we all saw it we're like uh probably I know Jeff trailer is probably thinking oh so what I mean he did it for the the army game or whatever but I want folks to watch this <laughs> I mean this is just not you know I I, I think that this is a picture of the, the austin capital and and wait till you see some of the things that uh, are pulled off on this Uh, you know that's that's a utsa player on campus at the university of texas (laughs) i mean spinning a football in front of the tower i mean come on jeff i i kind of get you know better than this i think you're poking the bear
2: i think i kind of get doing it in austin but the the added touch of bringing it to campus was was a little much what do you think, Jerry?
1: You know what this makes me you know what this makes me think about? What's Texas tech basketball willing to do this year when they come to Austin? <laughs> that could get really interesting <laughs> if they copy something like
0: this. Yeah. I, I think that I think that uh you're probably right. I, I think that uh you know we look at it and, and we talk about it, but there really there really is no reason uh to poke the bear here. I mean, I, I just I don't I don't understand it you know what I mean I, it's one of those situations where as, as fans or uh, commentators you just can point to stuff and I know there were a number of uh, comments from Texas players almost immediately after that that hype video went out Joe Keandre Coburn he was like this is pretty cool
2: everybody else is like uh, I don't know about doing that and Keandre Coburn's in the comments like hey that, that's kind of a cool video um so yeah it's uh and that's that's a pretty That's not, it'll be a pretty good uniform matchup on Saturday. That was the whole point of the video. It's, it's, it's also, it's hype. Uh, but those are how they reveal their uniforms. So, uh, you know, that's, it's not a bad look either. But yeah, it's, it's bold. Um, we'll see if that theme continues, uh, throughout the rest of the year. I mean, who else is in Conference USA? They're going to have to go to, you know, Marshall. No, they're a Sunbelt team. So maybe UAB, UAB, but. Bobby, yeah. you know my you know my mind always goes to recruiting.
1: Whatever gets the fans more excited Saturday night, coming off the Bama game with Cedric Baxter, Derek Williams, all those guys on campus, I'm all for. and, yeah. and that will that th- those things add to the game? And I like that from a recruiting perspective.
0: Hey, we're going to take some questions. I want to open this up to folks on uh, YouTube, and, and please get in any questions you have or any topics uh, you want us to to really try to to filter through and discuss. We've got about an hour here today uh, for uh Jerry and uh Joe and myself uh to, to talk here. Um Jerry question uh from insidetexas.com uh guy named Easy Money with Texas apparently out of the D- Damon Wilson recruitment, who are the remaining recruits for Edge and the si- odds of signing with Texas? Well, the odds of signing
1: I I can't even It's a total guess right now, right? Because what Texas is doing is we learned in the 2022 class, unless somebody pops up. Look, Warren Roberson was offered as a safety a couple weeks ago, right? Somebody could pop up nationally at the edge position that Texas goes in on um, that's either not committed or committed somewhere else. But right now, Colton Vossick. Texas has not given up on Colton Vossick. Yes, he was at the game Saturday. No, Brent Venables isn't dumping him from his commitment. Um, I got that straight from the family. Um, that would be recruiting suicide by Oklahoma to do that. Um, so that's not going to happen. But Texas is going after Vosick. They're going to they're continue to go after Braylon Shelby. I mean, we saw this in the 2022 cycle with Kelvin Banks and Neto and all these guys that were what really wasn't looking good for a lot of them. And then the coaching carousel happened and some things happened very positively for the staff, but they still stayed on their guys. And so I think you're going to see them stay on these same top targets. Uh, we're still what four, three and a half months, still signing day, four months, whatever it is, uh, while also evaluating seniors, not only in Texas, but around uh, the country. But there's not there's nobody's popped up as of right now um, nationally from that edge position that we're aware of. Something could happen Saturday, right? The coaches are on the road today around the state, around the country. So we'll see if anything pops up. Uh, but right now it, it's it's the same guys they really targeted early on and they'll see and see if they can flip one of them.
0: Now, let me ask you this. What about Cecilia Kana who was in last week for his official visit um, with the Longhorns?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Texas is in that, but it, it's going to come uh, – there's a lot of things at play there. Um, obviously, I think one of the things that from a recruiting perspectives, we do talk about, okay, the edge position – hasn't been filled in the 23 class, but the 2022 class has some guys who are good players. Baron Sorel's a good young player. Uh, so that's going to have to be, the staff's going to have to work through that with some guys uh, on the surface. It doesn't look like somebody can come in and have a chance to start next year. I mean, there's some good players there now and and they're building some depth there and that the freshman kids are all talented. I mean, and we'll see, you know, where a Bledsoe ends up playing long-term, right? And, how many of the uh, jumbo defensive line fronts they play with like they did against Alabama long-term. I do know that Texas wants big bodies on the defensive front, and I think that covers all positions. Uh, so I think that'll be something interesting to watch in the evaluation process.
0: Um, Jerry, anything on Ashley Williams uh, as well? Is Texas uh, potentially going to go back to look at uh, the young man from, Al- Al- Ari, from uh, Louisiana?
1: I haven't heard that yet, but I would say it's possible. Um, you know, I, I, I that's just not a name we've heard to this point, but it doesn't mean that couldn't change next week because I, there's a strong chance that somebody from Texas is in Louisiana today.
0: Gotcha. That, that's what I was wondering whether or not you know we're we're trying to see whether or not Derek Williams, uh, the young man out of New Iberia, Whisket, gets it. Oh, by uh, the
1: way, I want to mention something else. I talked to uh, somebody at Isidore Newman today because with Derek Williams coming in, Cedric Baxter. I was kind of wondering if chances Arch or Will Randall, maybe not were coming in, if the Texas staff was going to be at Arch's game tonight. And the answer to that is no. Uh, Sark um, and we want to come. They want to find a Thursday night uh, to, to go, but Newman doesn't really have a Thursday night game. So Texas is trying to work that out when they're going to make their in-person uh, to Arch this season. But they're, they do plan on doing that.
0: Got it. That makes that makes sense. Um, obviously, the question for all Texas fans, this week, Joe. We we went over it a little bit about Sark saying he he wasn't going to divulge the information. But who's going to be the quarterback on Saturday?
2: Uh, yeah, we we uh, we didn't even go that far in the Humidor over on Inside Texas. Uh, uh, but you know, both have that uh, he's prepared both. Um, if if Hudson Card, you know, who's really earned a lot of respect this week from what he was able to do. Uh, on the field against Bama. If he's able to go, then they're probably going to go with him. If he's not, then, I mean, stating the obvious, it'll be Charles Wright. But uh, it seems like something that's going to take, you know, that Steve Sarkeesian is going to bring all the way up to game time and make it a true game time decision on uh, who's going to be taking those snaps.
0: Yeah, I feel like uh, we're, we're we're basically, we, we may have some insight there, but based on uh, the fact that the head coach has asked, uh, folks that do have that insight to, to lay off of it. I, I think that uh, we're taking a, a pass on, on talking about that publicly. Um, hey, I want to I say something about Bobby and Joe. Hudson Card has to
1: be prepared like he's going to play this week, even if he's not. Because here's the reality. Charles Wright goes out and takes a ding in the first quarter. and It's walk-on time. I mean, so <laughs> Hudson Card – Even if he doesn't start and Charles Wright were to start, Hudson Card's got to be prepared to come in that game, whether he's 60, 70, or 80%. Yeah,
0: in other words, you're right. Ben Ballard, here we come, right? Yeah. Um, Oh, Lord, even. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I mean, so this is is a scenario that we need to be aware of. Yeah. Um, All right. Let let me ask you all another question. This is, as we're all college football fans as well as uh, following the Longhorns. Uh, last week, uh, Casey Thompson, former Texas quarterback, uh, they lose, Nebraska loses late to Georgia uh, State, uh, Georgia, wait a minute, Southern, Southern. Georgia, Georgia Southern, Southern, Southern with, Georgia uh, Clay Helton, yeah, Play, play Helton, Held, the
1: return of Clay Helton,
0: baby, yeah, so they lose, they lose to him, right, um, Scott Frost gets fired, um, where do y'all think that Nebraska goes for a coach at this point? I'll go first on it. Um, if Kansas sure. wins five games this year, which
2: would be astronomical, they just may go to the guy who's one state away. Um, but the, you know they may also look at uh, Matt Campbell. That's where they, they... I think you go with a program builder because you're not... And Jerry, you can probably attest to this. You can get some transfers. You can get high-profile guys like Casey Thompson. He's a high-profile transfer. O'Shawn Mathis was a high-profile transfer. Um, But you're not just – you don't have a natural recruiting base. You're not going to beat Mizzou or, you know, maybe even Tennessee uh, for some – of or I guess even Iowa for the guys who are in St. Louis or Kansas City. Um, You're you're just – you don't have a natural recruiting base anymore like you did uh, in your heyday. So you need a program builder. um, And, you know, I I think the first call should be to Matt Campbell because he can probably just take – the exact same process he's doing in in uh, Ames, bring it to uh, Lincoln, and it'll just you know probably get similar results, uh, maybe even better results with some of the the resources Nebraska has and will have with that Big Ten money uh, that Iowa State doesn't. But if if uh, Kansas jumps up and wins a couple more games, uh, there's going to be a lot of people probably wanting to talk to Lance Leipold, and you know that wouldn't be a bad backup option either. I, I totally agree with that. Look, Matt Campbell would be my number one pick.
1: I just – it continues to baffle me that – and obviously he's had some opportunities, but he doesn't have an agent, so it's not put out there, right? But he this guy took Iowa State to the Big 12 championship game, and he's built a culture and a program there. He's done things at Iowa State that haven't been done before, it's similar to what Chris Beard did at Texas Tech, right? I mean, you're, you're entering – uncharted territory and i know seven and six it's a hard job i mean it's hard to get players there but i I agree after that i mean coach at kansas is a very well respected guy i think uh coach at kansas state is another one that's done a really good job right and i think those would be good fits um but what'll be interesting to me with Nebraska? And I saw we see all, we've had all the guesses, Gary Patterson, Tom Herman. Tom Herman's a no. Uh, but there's a lot of guesses out there. You're hiring but,
2: uh, you're hiring Scott Frost's clone if you hired Tom Herman. Yeah. Here's here's where the coaching
1: carousel could get interesting this weekend weekend, though, for the people that love that. If Penn State beats Auburn, what's gonna happen at Auburn? Okay. And now how does that affect the Nebraska? Right, because Nebraska is way out in front on the coaching carousel, but if Penn State wins at Auburn this weekend, that one's going to get fired up quick. Well,
0: they're 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 underdogs at home, right? Right. right. Yeah, I mean they're supposed already to lose. Fired people. up. Yeah, but but Auburn doesn't care. That <laughs> it doesn't, right. doesn't matter. What were you going to say, Joe?
2: Uh, one thing I think we've kind of learned with the we have this new portal window. Uh, we have you know just one time exception and all that. Um, one thing we've learned is that, surprisingly, it's better to get out in front like USC did, although they took a circuitous path to getting Lincoln Riley. It's better to get out in front and start this so you can do all your due diligence. And then once the last whistle blows on game 12, you can be like, oh, yeah, by the way, we got this guy. Um, because you you have to have guys in place uh, to tell your you're not only your own recruiting class, but even commit to, um, are undecided and kind of take or even thinking about taking it to that second signing day, but more primarily for that first one, you have to have a guy in place to say like, Hey, you know, here's our head coach or else once all the pen hits paper, your talent pool or is just decimated. You don't have the same access to guys. So um, I think that, I think the USC approach kind of showed that last year, Mike bone had a lot of time to do due diligence. And although Lincoln Riley may tell the story that they didn't talk until a week of Uh Uh-huh. Sure. That, that, that probably didn't happen. Um, and so whenever you have that, it's important to get things done as fast as possible, uh, to, and, to, you know, if you're replacing someone, uh, do it quickly at the end of the year, OU and Joe Castiglione, they probably did as best they could in that situation. Uh, you know, considering they needed to do something to, you know, fortify their class. So, uh, for, for schools like Nebraska, getting out in front of it, It's a good idea. You know, get that process going. If you're Auburn, uh, and one thing I like to say is people think the craziness that people think Texas boosters have.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death
0: in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download
1: June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
2: It actually goes on at Auburn. Auburn, uh, we ha- had Kevin- well,
0: Auburn ha- I'm just going to, look, I, I've been there, done this. Auburn has a tinge of Texas A&M to them um, from a fan base. They, they have some expectations that, have i mean auburn's actually won uh, a couple of national Good championships or a, a national championship so it's a little bit different um but uh, they you know it's just a little bit different there than, than your normal uh, expectation level hey um i wrote an article for insidetexas.com this morning uh, by the way we're uh, we've got a special right now 1 for 1 month of insidetexas.com that's where jerry joe myself uh, eric nalline uh, justin wells paul wadlington ian boyd all Uh, on uh, each and every day. I wrote an article uh, for InsideTexas.com today, guys, and wanted to get y'all's feedback. And it was kind of a checklist, I called it, for a good game uh, against the Roadrunners this weekend. Uh, Number one, I I put play a clean game. Texas in the the first two weeks only had five penalties on both sides, on total in each game. That's relatively clean, right? Seven and up, eight and up, it starts getting a little sloppy. Um, furthermore, only one, uh, turnover in the first two games. And that was on Quinn Ewer's first pass, second pass, excuse me. Uh, so you have that, you have a defense that you want to carry over the intensity from last week. I talked to Brian Irwin this morning about that coach, Brian Irwin. He said, he thinks that's going to be tough to match just week over week, but he said that, you know, it's doable. Uh, and then we talked a little bit about making the playmakers be playmakers making sure that Bijan Robinson and the Xavier Worthys, who, uh, frankly, you know, those aren't guys that uh, UTSA necessarily matches person for for person, right? Get those guys to make the big plays and be the playmakers they are. uh, And that's kind of a recipe for it all. Uh, What do you all have to say about that? What are some of the things that maybe you would add? uh, One of the others, uh, uh, Jerry, you want to go first on that?
1: Yeah, I want to see really good snaps on special teams, uh, really clean snaps, holds, and kicks. Um, Cam Williams not lunging this week, making that jump from game two to game three as a freshman in a protection situation, right? At playing against Alabama, it can happen. Uh, To that clean game point, I'm really looking at special teams. I I think a clean week of special teams, maybe a big pump return. Like game one, Xavier Worthy could zigzag the field against ULM. Game two against Bama, that wasn't happening. UTSA is uh, obviously a cut above ULM. I'd like to see a big return. Texas, I mean, I'm talking a, a field position fl- flip type of return, whether a kickoff or punt return. I'd like to see if it's a clean game of special teams, along with the defensive line playing at a high level, Texas is going to be in a good spot. I also look for I, – I I think the number three receiver could have a big game this week. I I look at a guy like a Casey Kane, uh, somebody that gets the ball – maybe maybe even a freshman that gets an opportunity. I I, I think there's going to be a lot of rolled coverages for Worthy. Uh, So I think it's going to present Whittington, but also the number three receiver, some opportunities. So I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for a third wide receiver and an Ethan Burke to have big games and kind of some of those guys play clean games as young players, but also really kind of step to the forefront and have their best games.
2: Joe, what about you, bud? Yeah, I echo all that, um, you know, special teams, especially can can those guys keep it going. They had a really they had a bumpy start and had a little bit of bumps in uh, uh, the Alabama game. But overall, Burt Auburn, Will Stone on kickoffs, uh, even Daniel Trejo and of really Isaac Pearson's done pretty well. But yeah, those snaps um, to me, it, it boils down to the run game uh, for both Texas and UTSA. Uh, if Texas can just keep the ball moving on the ground and not make Hudson Card have to work as much or not make Charles Wright have to work as much, it's going to make everything easier. Um, you have, even if Bijan's dinged up, you have a deep running back room. Uh, you have an offensive line that struggled to push the ball against Alabama on the ground. Uh, that was, you know, for all the uh, praise that the team got for playing them close, they couldn't run the ball. Uh, so you want to bounce that back this week, especially against a UTSA front you should be able to run against. Um, and then, you know, kind of the same thing. You got to stop down. You got to stop that roadrunner run game. <laughs> that's that's a tongue twister right there. Uh, not only from their backs who are probably league average in Conference USA, no more sincere McCormick on, on that sideline, uh, but Frank Harris too. And uh, one of the keys is going to be, Watching the the edges for Texas, uh, y'all mentioned Ethan Burke, uh, the guy above him on the depth chart, you Gofu, and maybe even Baron Sorrell. They may be going up against walk on tackles and UTSA walk on tackles, uh, or guards who should be, or guards playing tackle who should be on the interior. Like they are pretty thin at the edge of the offensive line right now, so that's got to be a place where Texas creates negative plays. And you know, even if Frank Harris. Uh, runs for about 10 yards on third down. Well, hopefully, you're in a situation where that makes it fourth and four. Uh, and, and, you know, you can take advantage of uh, their, you know, unfortunate situation on the offensive line. Bobby, I want to get your
1: thoughts on one thing. I thought last week was a strength game. It, that was how strong you are at the point of attack. I think this week is a length game for Texas. How do you see it? I mean, the edge guys, because they're going to get the ball out quick. Jeff Traylor's going to – they're going to get the ball out quick. So can you – do you have enough length to affect the passing game where you had enough strength to collapse the pocket last week against Alabama's offensive line? But I think it's linked this week. What are your thoughts?
0: You know, it's not a bad point. Um, I, I think that the the bigger pish, picture for me are guys staying disciplined on defense. Um, the Sorrells uh, and – uh, guys like uh, Ovio Gufu and Ethan Burke or whoever, Justice Finkley, whoever they come at uh, uh, those uh, uh, offensive tackles for UTSA from, have to stay in their rush lanes. They can't go past the quarterback because I, I watched that uh, – I did not watch a ton of the UTSA U of H game uh, to start the year, but I did watch the entire – on replay, watch the entire uh, UTSA uh, Army game. And anytime the defensive end got upfield past the quarterback, Frank Harris took off yeah. and he made it, a, he made he took off left and he made it a two-way go with a trailing wide receiver out of the backfield or off the tight end spot. So he would put that, that uh, linebacker that was coming up to fill in a precarious situation. Either come to me or I'm going to dump it off and we're going to gain seven to eight yards and we're going to either set up that's either going to connect for a first down or we're going to set up uh, or I'm going to run for seven or eight and get a first down. And that's where Texas has to be intelligent uh, because if they're not, if they get overly aggressive, um, then I I think that that's where, uh, to your point, uh, both of you guys, Texas doesn't need to outdo themselves in this game, but they need to play smart. Right. Um, And, that's part of the process of being a more disciplined defense. We've seen that thus far in 2022. I think both of us, all, all three of us, would sit here and say, "Is this a smarter defense, a more cohesive defense than a year ago?" We would all nod our heads in agreement, right? Two games. Yes, it's a small, small sample size, uh, as Eric Nalim would like to say. But the reality of it is, it's enough. It's a, it's a much better sample size than we got ever last year, <laughs> so.
2: I, I'm curious. You brought up the defense and being smart, and you could tell when Texas was pass rushing; they were trying to keep that four, you know, spread. And when it got undone, it really got undone with Bryce Young. Uh, but something we we mentioned in in the Humidor on Inside Texas today: um, PK is on the field now, or at least there were pictures of him on the field. Um, do you all think that's made much of a difference? I I, I know that there's a, a sense of you know some coaches like eye in the sky uh some coaches like being in there with the troops pk was you know uh, up up top last year uh, sark obviously has to call the plays from the field cuz he's the head coach but he's always been on the field as a play caller um for basically his whole career so but as far as pk goes do you think that may have had any influence on you know the defense having you know one of their better showings that they've had under
0: his tenure um. Yeah, I do. I I think that that he can especially uh, because Bo Davis is is primarily the interior guys, right, Jerry? Yes. Uh, and Joe. And so uh, those edge guys have a unique uh, a unique role in the PK defense, and he is a defensive line coach by trade, right? And so him being down on the field may be able to to help them coach that up a little bit because Jeff Choate is more of a linebacker, a true linebacker coach by trade. So, I mean, I, I think it absolutely could. I don't know uh, that it necessarily uh, does. Um, talking, uh, hey, by, by the
1: way, by the way, Bobby, not to cut you off, I know we got to read. Rod, Rod Baber said, I think, goes into why PK's on the field. He talked about Texas has to be a better communicating defense this year. And I think one way to be a better communicating defense is if your defensive coordinator's on the field and with the team in, in between possessions.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, joined by Jerry Hamilton and Joe Cook, both of InsideTexas.com. Uh, this is our Longhorn live stream on Friday afternoon. Uh, are you looking for a chance to diversify uh, your portfolio? Uh, and when I talk about that, I'm talking about your businesses or the way you make money. You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Andy Ludicky can help. Andy helps you diversify by finding businesses that will fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9901. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Hey, you know, we're we're talking about all this, guys. Um, We haven't mentioned our score predictions (laughs) quite yet. Last week, I got raked over the coals deservedly for uh, saying that Texas would be outscored 52 to 7 yet yet somehow showed that some constraint in that direct oh geez thanks our, our producer Matt Hold on, am one right here. now <laughs> <laughs> Joe you just posted uh, the entire staffs on on inside texas.com in our weekly roundtable uh but let's talk about yours mine and Jerry's uh for the time period what did you come out with Joe Uh, I put it down as a 38-17 Texas. So
2: that covers a 12, 12 and a half, 13 point spread, uh, kind of allows for two touchdowns for the Roadrunners and one more score. Uh, And, you know, a few touchdowns, a few more touchdowns, obviously, and a few field goals for Texas. So, um, you know, it's one of those scores where you look at it and you think, oh, UTSA kept up with them. But we also kind of know all the extenuating circumstances when it comes to Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card, uh, things like that. Uh, it's it's also pretty respectful of you know what UTSA is. I, I think if you go and read that article, which is the first story on Inside Texas right now, I make the point this is this is still a good program. Jeff Traylor's a good coach, he's got great staffers. This is not the same team that won 12 games in the conference USA last year. And that's just you know kind of what life is like in the in the group of five. And that's a term Jeff Traylor didn't even like, I don't think. So um I think that that's a score that indicates that Texas will I think they'll, what I said is they'll check boxes on offense and then they'll make enough plays on defense and limiting Harris, limiting those wide receivers, attacking the offensive line, uh, the roadrunner offensive line to, uh, you know, make sure that they don't get too many points uh, and do do what they need to do in order to get 38 and make it 38-17. Jerry, what do you think, bud? I, went, I think I
1: went 37-17, about the same thing. And one of the things I look at with the game is, you know, one of the big – Topics has been well, can well, Texas, you know, can they get up? And you know, they played Alabama and and you know, Ewers got hurt, guys are gonna have bumps and bruises. But look, UTSA's left tackle hasn't played all year. The right tackle went out six plays into the U of H game, didn't play last weekend. And they've had two tough games in a row. And and this team will be up. Look, Jeff Traylor's a really damn good coach, right? He always has been dating back to Gilmer. His guys, he's genuine. Guys run through the wall for him it's what makes him really good and he'll be a future power five head coach if he wants to be but the whole key here is breaking their spirit because they're going to be a more tired team than texas is they they played an overtime game against houston on the road at army um and they have depth issues at offensive tackle and so they're going to be the more tired team in the second half in my opinion than texas is I think the key is can you break their spirit before that point? And that that doesn't mean the kids aren't going to play hard, but can you take the win loss out of the equation late in the first half uh, in this game? And I think that's going to be fascinating to watch because UTSL play hard.
0: Yeah, I I think they will too. I went 52 to 7 UTSA. (laughs) It it worked last week, right? Could you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. Uh, I ended up going, I, I think I said 31-17 was my final score prediction. Uh, Texas covers. Uh, I, I think that uh, the Longhorns' defense is legit. I do think they're going to have some problems at times. They're going to get stretched and put into precarious position by, uh, by the uh, a senior quarterback that's got some moxie to him, uh, along with some senior receivers that have some, some, uh, some, you know, not necessarily speed, but they're really smart, got good length. They'll make some contested catches. Uh, I do expect the Texas defensive front to get to uh, UTSA. And I don't think the UTSA run game is as much of a threat to people as it was a year ago. Um, that being said, I'm I don't know what to think about the Texas offense because I don't know who the quarterback's going to be.
2: You know, well,
0: so so I, we all know last week I watched uh, that UTSA, UTSA Army game. Our Army threw for over 300 yards on only 18 attempts. Crazy. Okay. So, but Army rushed the ball 54 times. So three times the amount of, they, they they basically threw the ball three times the amount of times they ran it, but they only gained a hundred and something yards on offense, uh, excuse me, on, on running. So UTSA can stop the run by committing more people to the box. That means whoever the quarterback is going to be is going to see some one-on-one matchups and not not necessarily just deep either, Right. And so you give Jordan Whittington, who I think has some shake and bake ability to him. Even I think he's really underrated after the run. Uh, and then, or after the catch, excuse me. Then you give uh, Xavier Worthy that kind of room to operate. You know, we saw what happened against Oklahoma when, when the Sooners did that, right? Um, on the first play of that, offensive play of that game, Worthy housed it. So I am I, I went at 31-17, not because I think, uh, necessarily that, that UTSA won't score at all or anything like that. I felt like the question now is what's Texas going to look like on offense uh, with a quarterback? Um, I got two things on that, Bobby. I, I think they are good points we need to hit on. Okay.
1: One, do we see Texas tight ends down the field more this game? Possibility in, in matchups? Because they are going to have an athletic advantage matchup at tight end with Sanders. Could you see him be da- the down the field guy? Maybe D, maybe Worthy's running underneath the way – they maybe they dialed this thing up a little different. The other thing is it's easy to say this every week for every game, but I think defensive backs tackling in space is going to be huge this week for Texas because, as you said, they have all three starting wideouts back. And, and I'm not saying they're going to hear their names called on NFL draft night, but they're very good football players with a lot of experience. They've had a lot of tackles to break the last three years and a lot of confidence and success doing it. I think cornerbacks tackling safeties, taking good angles and tackling is going to be huge in this game.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can, I can see that. Um, so I want to let y'all know uh, that I am, uh, I am currently working on making on Texas football as big and as bad as I can. I, 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 I uh, delete, I bleeped myself on that. Uh, please consider liking this video as well as subscribing to this channel. Uh, We're almost right at 9,000 subscribers now on the channel, uh, and we're trying to go over that uh, today or tomorrow uh, to continue to grow this. Uh, We would definitely appreciate if you'd like the video as well as subscribe to the channel. I think the subscribe button is in the bottom right-hand portion of your screen. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention here uh, for you guys, and it's something that we we make a big deal about the – offensive line, particularly the tackles for UTSA, what do y'all think is a good uh, number of sacks p- potentially for the Longhorns, even knowing that UTSA is going to attempt to get the ball out quick? Joe, you want to take that?
2: Yeah, I, well, you, you
0: you have to consider there's going to there maybe a couple different types of sacks. Is
2: there going to be the one where they get, you know, have a successful rush and, and get Harris in the backfield, or are they just... He's scrambling, but he's still behind the line of scrimmage. So that could lend itself to quite a few. Um, I think you could. I think Vegas would put an over under at four and a half, and <laughs> I I kind of guessed four, um, but I think you know Vegas would probably say four and a, because there's just the ball is going to be in his hands and the game is going to be in his hands so much uh, that you know if he if he gets tackled, boom, there's one right there, and you know, oh, if he's scrambling running towards the you know, right side or the left side and, uh, you know, he goes out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage, boom, there's another someone's going to get credit for. So um, I bet Vegas says, uh, you know, the, the over-unders at four and a half, but I'll go I'll go four just because they're still, despite having that great game, um, Ovia Gofu and, and Baron Sorrell, it's not like they were consistently beating their guys. They beat the overmatched ULM guys. Uh, they held their own against Bama, uh, but they uh, – I'm curious – you know, maybe they they get a, a opportunity to hunt against a uh, overmatched uh, tackle tandem.
0: Well, it sure would be nice, and Jerry, if Texas got out to a lead, that then made UTSA more one dimensional. Then the number, the sack numbers, might change pretty precipitously quickly, right? Um, yeah. Because if you made them one dimensional and go into third and long, things start changing uh, quite a bit. What do you think about that, Jerry?
1: Yeah, I think I, I think the whole key to getting sacks against UTSA is stopping the run. Uh like Joe said, there's they don't have Sincere McCormick this year. Look, Traylon Smith, they have some good players, but not that level guy. Um, so if you stop the run, the sacks are gonna come after that. I, I and I believe is S D has said this a couple of times. Shout out to you. Um I think the hits on the on Harris early in the first two quarters are maybe more important than the sacks. I, I think you gotta hit him. And you got to hit him multiple times, and that's just not in the run game. But you just got to have him thinking. Once he comes off that first read, if they just don't get the ball out quick, knowing that they're going to lose the line of scrimmage, but you have to get him thinking after first read. You want to speed up his clock.
0: Yeah, I I think you got to figure out something, right? I mean, you got to get him. You got to find a way uh, to to create and put pressure on him that is not just allowing them to be in third and three. The Longhorns did that a year ago. They let way too many people be in third and three, third and two. And because of that, they they really were poor on third down. So the first two games, the Longhorns are significantly better than a year ago on third down right now, Uh, and significantly. Uh, So I I feel like we're looking at this and thinking, okay, how does this get going Uh, and going from there? Hey, Joe, uh, you are, uh, you guys, you and, uh, Jerry is almost always on the road. He's, a, he's, a, he's there at a, a Fairfield Inn or mm-hmm. Comfort Inn somewhere right now, I think. Uh, but you are actually going to be on the road this evening to go see McCall Harrison Pilot, the wide receiver uh, out of uh, Temple that Texas is recruiting. Javon Toviano uh, is playing Harrison Pilot today, the, the defensive back out of Arlington Martin. So you're going to be up in Temple to, to watch that game. Uh, we were asked uh, on the InsideTexas.com message board today, how many more wide receivers do we think Texas is going to ch- take? I also want to say this. Justin Wells is going to be in Longview tonight to watch Jalen Hale. So we've got – there. There's, I think it's just one more wide receiver. Jerry, tell us uh, if you, you agree with that. Yeah. And then, Joe, I'm going to ask you about that matchup you're going to see tonight.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's one more receiver. If Jalen hell ends up going Texas' way, of course he does visit Texas A&M this weekend ahead of the September 21st decision. If that goes Texas' way, I think they're done at receiver barring a decommitment or barring a couple of guys leave, maybe leaving the program that we don't know about yet. Maybe it happens later in the season, right? It's obvious Brennan Marion's a big fan of Kyle Parker, the LSU commitment. He offered him at Pitt. He stayed on him. He offered him at Texas. He stayed on him this season. So we can't rule that out. But I think right now if Hill were to jump on board uh, September 21st and Texas is done at wide receiver, barring the unforeseen.
0: Uh, Joe, on on your take with uh, Mikhail Harrison Pilot, uh, Temple not only has him, they have a number of prospects. Arlington Martin is traditionally loaded. Uh, Martin has two guys already on the Texas team right now, uh, former players. Uh, but tell us what you're going to be looking for for Harrison Pilot tonight.
2: Yeah, that's the uh, – the, I, I got to pick the uh, inside Texas game of the week, and, and that was the uh, – the choice. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing Michael Harris, McCall Harrison pilot go up against Toviano. I really hope it happens. Um, You know, you, you want to play, you're going to be playing defensive backs like him at the next level with, if you're a player like McCall Harrison pilot and the options he has, I want to see what he's able to do. Uh, Temple, both, like you mentioned, both those teams are traditionally really good. Uh, Both are in 6A now. Uh, Both have a handful of prospects. Um, including, uh, I think Temple has a Baylor commit. You know, no surprise that Temple does that. Um, you know, there's a couple guys who have on three profiles uh, in the 2023 and 2024 classes for uh, Arlington Martin. But you know, I'm I'm there to see that matchup. Uh, I want to see you know how Toviano handles uh, Harrison Pilot. I want to see you know uh, Temple has long had a. Sterling Gilbert-esque offense. I don't know if it's still that way, but it's always kind of descended that way. Um, I want to see, you know, what they what they do to try to get Harrison Pilot the ball. Um, and, you know, I'm just ready for a good game. I haven't been to a... Uh, it's been a bit since I've been out on the road uh, for a high school game, but I always seem to go back to Temple between Davian Curtis and Taquan Graham and Jared Wiley. And even I played a game at, at, at Wildcat Stadium. I... So... Uh, it's going to be another trip to uh, Central Texas for me and uh, looking forward to uh, a Bucky stop on the way there, too.
0: <laughs> there you, you go. Better, hey, you have, uh, you hey go. I
2: got a prediction for this game, Bobby. I think Joe's going to
1: come away talking about Tory and York, the linebacker committed to Baylor. He's a really good football player. He's more of a Big 12 linebacker. But uh, McCall Harrison Pilot's father's obviously on staff at Temple, and he's he told me at a camp last uh, late spring. They, they think the kid is a tremendous football player. He may not fit the physical profile, but look what Tucker Dorsey looks like at Texas right now. I mean, so watch for Torrey and York, York tonight. I think Joe's going to come away impressed with him. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing what Joe gets out of JV and Toviano. Maybe the first time he's ever talked to him is the key.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Hey, uh, uh, speaking with uh, both uh, Jerry Hamilton and Joe Cook of – uh InsideTexas.com. InsideTexas.com has a special right now: one dollar uh, for one month for a subscription. That's where we're at all the time. One of the one of the big topics uh, that I think that we all need to talk about and, and deserves discussion. But it's funny how there's not necessarily any kind of concrete data or things that we can say right now is Gary Patterson and what his impact has been on this defense. Do we really know what his impact's been on this defense? Joe, you're there each and every day covering the horns. What are your thoughts on on this uh, topic?
2: You know, for someone in his role, like a special assistant to the head coach, there's only so much that he can do as far as player instruction. Um, Of course, you know, but, you know, that, that happens at literally every single program. Uh, but technically there's he has limits on his role, but he he can do a lot of different things and bring his Gary Patterson eye, uh, you know, and all that experience to the the coaches meeting. Um, he doesn't have a headset. Uh I I've seen him walking the sidelines. I posted a picture of him watching Xavier Worthy get his helmet taken off on a face mask. He doesn't have a headset. He's kind of he's I never really noticed him kind of in the fray, in the scrum with with players that much, but you know. Uh, Sunday through Friday, he can go up to PK or Bo Davis or uh, even, you know, uh, uh, Blake Gideon and say, hey, you know, they run double slants on on second and long a lot. Tell your guy to cheat up a little bit. It, it, he, he has that sort of eye, uh, especially, you know, watching opponents' offenses that helped him craft a lot of great defenses at TCU. Now, I think, uh, I, I'll, I'll uh, mention Rod Babers again. And I, I think uh, a lot of people saw this coming. If the defense was great. Oh, Gary Patterson. If the defense was bad, oh, Pete Kutkowski. Um Of course, Gary Patterson has, uh, you know, he, he's not getting paid and he's not on staff just to do nothing. Uh, he's helping out. Uh, but I think some credit is also due to Pete Kwiatkowski for his play calling um, and, you know, putting together a plan of course in tandem with uh, with Gary Patterson and the rest of the staff that uh, has the Texas defense playing pretty well so far this year. I'll, Jerry, I'll you, t- I'll t- yeah I'll tell you my observation from
1: Saturday being at the game he would he was down he's in a different position watching the, uh, the opposing offense than when he was a head coach at TCU and I think this is important to point out he was walking down about 30 20 yards down as far as he could. And would be behind, like where if Alabama was huddling, they're not huddling, and watching them formationally, pre-snap every for single play. With a, yes, yes. So he gets a different eye than he when he was a head coach at TCU, right? So you know he's broken down the film of every opponent, and he's looking for these tendencies right? That's where he's always been really good is knowing the tendencies of an opponent. Now he gets to do that without a headset on. So I think it's invaluable. I really do. And I'm not saying he's the reason, but I but I am saying what, what I observed in that game, I think is invaluable for the Texas staff because he gets to watch a game and he's looking at formations. He might be looking at the right tackles, right foot, right? We don't know. But he is down there looking at this a different angle than he has the last 20 years. And I think there's something to be said for that.
0: That's interesting. I I, I think that uh, somebody said the, he coaches the coaches. I think there's a value uh, proposition to that. I think that that some of that is happening. I don't know how much, uh, though, that's really going on. Uh, I do want to say this, uh, Jerry, and, and I want to go back over. I think I misspoke earlier. I said Justin would be in Longview tonight. I think Longview plays at Lufkin. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sorry about that. So Just, Justin will actually be in, in Lufkin. Lufkin uh, watching always the Texas. Panthers. Panthers take on the Lobos. By right? the way, by the way, twenty
1: plus years doing that, the best game to go to in Texas every year is Lufkin Longview. It's a real rivalry with East Texas physicality that you don't get a lot of places in high school football. And even if the pack's down like they have been, and Longview's a huge favorite, Longview's – and Lufkin's got a few good young kids coming back. They were just really small last year. That's a hell of a high school game to go to if you haven't been.
2: I think I think a couple of years ago, maybe this was right before Longview got bumped up to 6A, um, they uh, they may have played each other at SFA, and they sold that stadium out. Wow. that's, you know – it, that's a big deal up there. So that'll be a fun one for Justin to report back on once we see the, what happens with the Lobos. I'm going
0: to, I'm going to talk to him tonight. Uh, actually, I'll talk to Justin tonight after that game, we'll have a direct update on Jalen Hale following that game uh, for our folks ready for uh, tomorrow morning on Saturday morning, uh, not only on inside but also uh, J- Justin's going to try to get some uh, uh, a video interview that we can put up here. And I'll also be talking to Justin about the, the game coming up tomorrow uh, for folks that are driving up or that want to watch it from their house uh, tomorrow morning. Have a little something extra to do in the morning. Um, Jerry, I want to go back to you. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Hale and we just talked about recruiting a little bit. Um, he's visiting A&M tomorrow. OK, has the Aggies offensive implosion. I, I know Haynes King was the starter at Longview for his dad well before. But has the Aggies' offensive, i don't even say implosion—ineptitude, that may be a better word for it, right? Has that played a role in really what what Hale is looking at at this point, or can you tell? And it, and is that reverberating elsewhere in recruiting, not just with Jalen Hale? Well,
1: I don't think it impacts Hale really, because look, A and M came got on that became the number third team late in July, right? I mean, they were essentially on the outside looking in. Um, I, I don't think that really is going to have an impact on Hale, honestly um but I, I think what's interesting about recruiting is is how fast your momentum can go away um and, and jimbo and a m are now at a point where you know look i hate to say tomorrow's a must win game for am but i've said texas has a must win game and love it two weeks from now it is a must win game for am the week after you lose the app state game days in boone not with you in college station where they were supposed to be you lose some luster it doesn't take long for that momentum not stop but to slow down and if you look at AM's schedule in recruiting if they lose tomorrow look at the rest of that schedule i mean that suddenly becomes a six loss season and your and your recruiting momentum does stop at six loss season
0: yeah well i mean you would think, but I mean Texas overcame that a year ago too, right? right? I I think that the the I don't think I don't see AM losing tomorrow. I know that that I just don't see Miami having the, the talent level they do. And they're not necessarily really tight on offense. Right. App State is a is a good offensive team. They they put up 40 plus points against North Carolina in the fourth quarter. Correct. Um so I, I just feel like there's a little bit of a different uh, piece for for that. Hey Jerry, what is your most recent RPM for uh, Jalen Hale at this point?
1: I was forty five percent taxes. I moved it from seventy to forty five uh, after the Alabama official visit. Um, I'm not going to bounce the thing back and forth leading up to the twenty first, but I probably have it on fifty five percent for Hale right now, headed in a and visit.
0: Perfect. And you yeah. mentioned the twenty first. That's something that's good for us to to discuss because uh, he is actually announcing the twenty first. Uh, so Correct. that's this coming week, and we'll find out where. Uh, one of the nation's uh, top uh, wide receivers will be choosing uh, the Longhorns uh, hopeful there against Alabama uh, and Texas A&M as well. Uh, Joe uh, surprises. Let's, let's take We've got a couple more or at least another half dozen uh, to 10 minutes here. Any surprises you expect from the Longhorns or from a player perspective or one guy you're wanting to see this weekend a little bit more of? I mean, if we see Charles Wright,
2: it 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 all could be a surprise. You know, whether he's overtaken by you know a Group of Five team uh, in the moment, or whether he just goes out and does his job. Um, That's something to track if he if he sees the field. Uh, I got to talk to his offensive coordinator at Austin High. I saw some other outlets did interviews with his head coach. I talked to the guy who was with them all the time, Aaron Vanacek, who's currently the head coach at Thrall right now. And he said, all these guys came out to to Austin High, uh, you know, loyal forever and said, ah, if only he were taller. Mike Yersich, uh came and said, this guy can throw the ball. Uh, there was also some other extenuating circumstances that led him to Austin High, but uh, Mike Yersich said, this guy can throw the ball, he'll work. So, um, and from everything we hear about, uh, that I heard from him from uh, Coach Vanacek to, you know, what we've, know about Charles Wright, whether he was a or here, is that, you know, he knows how to prepare. And uh, Austin High, Jerry, I don't think you've made very many trips to Austin High in your career. They're not a talent-rich high school program like Westlake or like Travis or even Vandegrift has become, yet he led them to a playoff appearance, which is saying something for the Maroons, in all honesty. So um, I'm just excited to see, you know, what he does. And I think no matter what happens, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise just just because it'll be so fresh. Yeah, and look, Bobby,
1: Bobby I want to mention this because we didn't have the YouTube channel or, or when this kid was coming out of high school, uh, weren't part of uh, Inside Texas. He trained for five years with Jeff Blake, okay? Jeff Blake lived in the Austin area. Obviously, his kids went to Austin High and then on the Auburn, right? Um, but he trained with Jeff Blake for half a decade. Starting in, I believe, eighth grade, and he worked with them all the way through senior season. And for those that don't know Jeff Blake, which is crazy, I used to run the Under Armour camps, and all these power five quarterbacks didn't know who Jeff Blake was, because that's the, I mean, a two time pro bowler and throws the best deep ball uh, almost ever. But uh, Jeff Blake's a former East Carolina NFL quarterback for over a decade court um, does quarterback instruction in the state of Texas and Austin area for years. He's now – he's been at IMG getting guys ready for the draft and coaching over there. He coaches the Under Armour game and the Under Armour camps, which I used to be associated with. So my point is Charles Wright worked with a guy who's been there, done that for half a decade. And Jeff always told me he has the toughness to play the position. And that was always interesting to me. Uh, Because when you talk to the NFL guys versus maybe the way we talk about a kid like Charles Wright, we're going to break Charles Wright down by, well, okay, his arm's not as strong as Quinn Ewers. He's two inches shorter than most guys. He doesn't have the big frame to weigh 220 pounds. And Jeff Blake would come at you with, well, he's a tough kid physically and mentally, and he's coachable, and he's going to get the ball out. So those are maybe some things to look at for Saturday. I'm sure Coach Vanasek said the same thing.
0: Uh, Jerry, you oh, – go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. One other
2: thing, uh, just – I remember talking to uh, Charles Wright about this and Vanacek uh, at their at the signing. Um, they ran four verts a lot, and they made a huge improvement uh, between Wright's junior and senior year on running that play. So, And I think if you go back and watch Charles Wright's huddle, uh, there's a lot of deep balls. Um, he doesn't have the same arm as Quinn Ewers, obviously, but he can throw it deep. Uh, he's, he can do what he needs to do if he's on platform and can do it. All right. Off platform too. Just not as well as, uh, you know, some of the other top guys on the roster. So I think, uh, even though if he plays, if he's the guy or he sees snaps, Steve Sarkeesian may not want to put a ton on his plate. They can still, he'll be able to throw it deep. It's just maybe not this exact same look as, uh, some of the other guys.
0: Uh, Joe mentioned, uh, uh, Charles Wright as his possible surprise. Uh, Jerry, you commented on Wright, but you didn't mention anybody else as your surprise. You had said earlier and talked briefly about Ethan Burke. Um, anybody else th- that you really think might have a, a young player that might break out this week for the Longhorns? Yeah, Ethan Burke is my guy because it, I
1: look at that as there's going to be a lot of snaps, right? UTSA is going to get the ball out quick. And we're talking about sacks a little bit. I want to see the guy with an 84 inch wingspan, how he can use his length versus strength to affect the passing game, the quick passing game. So I think, and I think he'll have his first career sack Saturday as well. I think he's got a chance to have a really good game coming off the bench. Offensively, I just wonder if this is a game where Brennan Thompson, Savion Red, maybe get to target. Maybe they start working those guys in. It's about that time of the year, right? Game three, um, if Texas can get control of the game a little bit, do you see those guys get an opportunity? I think it would be really good to see Brennan Thompson get an opportunity in this game because I still think his speed, the second half of Big 12 play, if that's when we assume um, Quinn Ewers is back healthy, that that vertical game is going to come back quick and if Brennan Thompson's then ready to be a part of that Texas goes to another level offensively so I, I think it might be an interesting game to get Brennan in there and give him an opportunity
0: hey I will say this if UTSA uh, tries to stop the run and really loads the box that's right that speed starts counting even for even more uh, because then the, the big playability there's no one back at safety yeah if they're if they're trying to fly to support the run uh, so, you know, Texas run jet sweeps. They throw bubbles. What do they do to, try to kind of find a crease for one of those guys and then let them, you know, ride out? Um, I want to say uh, thank you uh, to Andy Ludeke, uh our sponsor uh, for uh, the Longhorn live stream here. Uh, are you stuck in the corporate rat race with no control over the money you make or your schedule in general? Call Andy. He will take you through a process to help find a business that will fit your skill sets and financial goals. Franchise ownership isn't for everyone, but if you have a desire to take control of your destiny, call Andy or email him at andy at myperfectfranchise.net. Andy's a Longhorn grad. Uh, been, uh, covering, uh, been Been. covering. I've known his sister probably for 30-plus years. She went to Texas with me and lived down the hall from me my first, my first year at Texas. So uh, that's how long I've known Andy and uh, his family as well. Um, hey, I, before we go, uh, talking about overwhelming... Aspects of this Texas team, uh, I, I would be remiss to say that we, we mentioned briefly the uh, the number of uh, the indecision or the uncertainty around the quarterback spot. We talked about the uh, hype video that uh, UTSA put out. We talked about the fact that they've got some problems at offensive tackle. Is there anything else y'all want to add to that mix that you think plays a role in, in the outcome of uh, outcome of this game this week? Joe, you, you're nodding your head, so you go first. I
2: think we've we've there are four guys who are number zero: Frank Harris uh, on UTSA, Demarvin Overshone. So that talks to the length uh, versus strength. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, you know, helping out with uh, you know whatever the quarterback situation is. There's one more. Uh, and it's I, I gotta mention my guy, he was one of my favorite prospects to talk to in Rashad Wisdom. He's probably the best player on that defense. Um, he was the best player on that defense last year, whereas number zero plays boundary safety. Uh, he got caught a couple times against Army, um, you know, looking for the run. I wonder why. And he got beat by the pass. Uh, but that's the guy on that uh UTSA defense that is probably their best playmaker. Uh, decided to stay home from from Converse Judson, just go right down the road and play for uh, you know the hometown team. And he was he's not only a really great uh, person, great family, but he's a really good football player. And the guy that whoever plays quarterback and whoever has the football is going to have to watch on Saturday. Jerry, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you my,
1: I'll tell you mine, Bobby. I think Texas found a punter, and I told you this. I told you this. Like, my opinion on it, I was at the ULM game, and I'm a special teams guy, right? My dad coached punters in high school, okay? I watched Pearson and Trejo punt in warm-ups for damn near an hour before the ULM game. And I love Trejo. And I'll tell you what I liked about him. It was a 95 97% consistency with trajectory and distance. And I thought that – he would bring consistency to the punt game. Uh, and that and Pearson's got the better leg, and I'm not saying Pearson can't go on. But look, this guy's really going to be a – he's not going to be a weapon, but I think he's going to really have some stability in the punt game now that he's established. I think he got the nerves out of us. can you imagine going from D2 and punting against Alabama, right? You're going to have some nerves. But I think then people started to see what he could do. And my question, Joe, and, and I don't have the answer because the kid just got to Texas, what, a month ago – does he technically have two years left? Uh,
2: I don't know. I don't know what he was doing I think he gets at COVID uh, year. I Texas Westland. I think he gets a COVID year, so it's possible. I mean, Texas – I didn't even know Texas Westland had a football team. So uh, that tells you a lot. Um, I'm, I'm looking at it now. I think he did take a red shirt uh, when he was up in Fort Worth. Um, but even his, uh, you know, profile – He was listed as a red shirt. He was listed as a red shirt freshman uh, on last year's roster, so he could have several years ahead of him. um, And I don't, you know, that'll create a little competition uh, still ongoing for the rest of his career with uh, Isaac Pearson.
0: Yeah, I I think that's good. Those are good topics Uh, for me. I I think it just comes back down to the discipline defense. Um, I, I feel like that's that in. UTSA lost what five guys from last year's team to the NFL, two of mm-hmm. whom are starting for NFL teams. That's that's pretty salty for a FBS team. Right. Right. Um they they didn't lose all of that. Ta- I, they haven't lost everybody. You mentioned Rashad Wisdom. They got some other guys on that team that they think, particularly the receivers, that they think have a, a chance to play in the league, maybe, maybe a defensive lineman as well, um, and a linebacker. So it's not like they're devoid of talent in that all left after a 12 and two campaign. Uh, But I think if the Texas defense plays with spirit and an intensity as well as discipline, I think it throws the game into a different category for UTSA. I think they're, they're struggling instead of um, capitalizing, if that makes sense. Instead of third and three, it's third and nine. right? Right. And, and that takes the, that takes some of the ball out of the hand of the playmaking quarterback Uh, and makes him do things that may not make him as comfortable as he wants to be. By the way, you
1: know what college team I feel really bad for this week? It was not enough ULM went to Austin and got rocked. They're going to Tuscaloosa after the most undisciplined Alabama game in 15 years. Good luck, Warhawk. (laughs) That one's going to be a physical beatdown after 15
0: penalties in Austin. (laughs) I, Will, hey, Will Anderson alone had, I think, three penalties. I don't yeah. think Will Anderson – I don't know what – I would not want to be that quarterback this no. week. I'll, I'll just put it Good that luck way. Good Chandler Rogers. Yeah, that, that's no bueno. All right, hey, thank you to everyone for, for joining us. Uh, again, please like this video. Uh, please subscribe to this uh, channel. Also, please visit us at InsideTexas.com. Uh, we're out there each and every day for for all of you guys that are follow the Longhorns and love talking college sports as much, and the Longhorns as much as we do. Uh, so for Jerry Hamilton and Joe Cook, as well as our producer, Matt Hutchison, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching this Longhorn live stream.